Uh, we've got a couple of mission trips out right now. As we were mentioned, uh, the core, our discipleship training school, is out in San Diego right now, partnering together with one of our sister churches called All People's Church uh, out there that's part of the uh, Antioch International Movement of Churches that we're all a part of here. And uh, so we're excited for them. So be praying for them this week. I uh, want to just uh, ask that, the, that God would fill them with power and they'd go in the Spirit and really see awesome things happen there in San Diego. Uh, and if you have not done CORE, if you've not done this discipleship training school, I really want to encourage you to do that. That's an excellent opportunity where you are able to just be in a, in a eight, nine-month, kind of in more intense time period where you can really press into the Lord and grow in ways that you've not been able to grow before, potentially. And uh, really what our desire in that is that we would, be, we would learn to be disciples who know how to make disciples, just like how Jesus taught us to do. The Great Commission, go, make disciples, baptize them. So that type of person, we want to be that type of believer. And uh, so that's what CORE is all about and uh, really want to encourage you to do that. They'll be doing recruiting here in the, in the next few weeks, but uh, jump in on that. That'll start in the fall. And also our college guys, we have a few here, but, but a lot of them are down in Edinburgh, Texas, on a, Awaken, along with 500 of their best friends from uh, Antioch Waco, Antioch Dallas, Antioch Belton, I believe, maybe another church or two. And so it's a big crew of college guys going down there, and it's kind of like a student conference at, at the beginning and then I go out and serve and love the city at, in, the, in the afternoon. And uh, so they're out there. So Graydon Jones, who is one of our college uh, life group leaders, is at the helm. He's leading that group down there. And so just really excited for them. So pray for them. Pray for those two, tri- those two trips this week, if you would. Uh, one other, just kind of quick mention here. Connor Petty, could you just wave your hand? All right, it's Connor. Okay, so the reason, last week, Connor, we mentioned that Connor was out with his friend Stephen Mars running the Cowtown Marathon, and as it turned out, because of the ice, the half marathon was the only one they did. Uh, they canceled the full marathon, but so Connor has a big heart for, for folks that have uh, special needs and disabilities, and he's worked at a camp a few years uh, called Camp Barnabas that got him connected with Stephen. Uh, who we call lovingly Stevo, and uh, so uh, Stevo one day was sharing with Connor and saying, "Man, I'd love to, uh, I'd love to run a marathon," and that was his dream. And Connor said, "Well, hey man, you got the heart, and I've got the legs, so let's do this," you know. And so their slogan, as you can see there on Connor's shirt, is two guys, one dream." And so what they're talking about there is that God puts dreams in our hearts. But we need each other to see those things happen. We need the church. We need, we need each other. And so, you know, one person has the legs, the other has the heart, and let's, let's go for it. Let's see the dreams that God has put under our hearts come to pass. So, isn't that awesome? So, proud of you, man. Yeah. Yeah. Connor is also going to be our uh, college intern this summer. He's going to be working with the college and with the youth this summer, and so we're, we're excited about him being around a little bit more. So being around the office a bit, maybe a couple practical jokes might be in order. A little initiation. So Awesome. No, we don't do that stuff, do we? <laughs> Micah knows a little bit about that. All right, so we have been walking through uh, the book of Acts now in the sermon series called Power from on High. And uh, so what we're talking about is border crossing this week. And 
Jamie kind of led things up to this, talking about in the first sermon, Jesus coming from heaven to earth and starting the church. You know, and, and poof, there's these 12 disciples and then this, this larger circle of 120 and even a larger circle than that uh, that were developed, friendships that were developed. A church was birthed in that, in that time. And then he said to them, wait on the Holy Spirit because I'm going to send you out as my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, right? That's Acts 1.8. So uh, that's, and that was the second message was the Holy Spirit came. It was out of Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit came, filled the church with power, and they went out from friends to the city. So that was the title of the message, from friends to the city. They went out into Jerusalem sharing the gospel. Today we're going to be talking about how the Spirit then took them uh, from that place, and as it turns out, it was about five years later that that they took them to Acts chapter 8, where they went out to Samaria. So we're going to be discussing how that all happens, how they cross those borders. As you guys know, the Jews and the Samaritans had a complicated history where they actually hated each other. And there was a a horrible dividing line that existed between these two people, and yet they were like cousins. They were closely related, but it was something that uh, for centuries had been in in their past. And so that dividing line there between the Jews and Samaritans was real, and, uh, and, it, and it really caused division, not only geographically, but also in friendships and relationships. And so, but the Holy Spirit propelled the church to cross over that boundary. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today, is border crossing. Now, I'm not just talking about natural borders, though I am talking about natural borders. I am the missions pastor. I believe that the way that we see Uh, The way that we see the the world reached is by the church sending people across borders, across oceans. My family and I, we were in Croatia for seven years. It's because we deeply believe that God does that in people. He puts something in their hearts, and then it's time to go. It's not an an everybody call. It's an everybody call, though, for us to be border crossers. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Okay, so Acts chapter 8 I'm just going to do a quick summary, starting in chapter 6, just to kind of give you some of the highlights, and I'd encourage you to read it on your own outside of this. It's always best when we've heard a teaching, then to go on and and to read on our own. Uh, That's going to help us a lot to absorb more of what the Lord wants to speak to us. In chapter 6, it starts that uh, seven deacons were appointed. So these deacons were, were servants. They were servant leaders. And two of those guys, they just needed help basically operationally, getting things done at the church. The church had grown massively to thousands there in the city of Jerusalem. And so they needed help. So they appointed seven guys. Two of those guys were Stephen and Philip. Those are kind of some famous names for us in the book of Acts. Now Stephen comes up then in the next chapter where he says some things and preaches the gospel and some religious leaders get really mad at him. And it ends up leading to his death. He was stoned to death. He was martyred there in chapter 7. Out of that, persecution broke out. So Acts chapter 8, things start off with saying Saul was there at Stephen's death, approving of it. So Saul, who would later become the great uh, missionary Paul, 
was there approving of the death of Stephen. And it goes on and says that Paul then would organize his guys and they would go out into the city and they would drag people out of their homes and take them to jail for their faith, for their faith in Jesus. So persecution, this awful persecution broke out. But what what did the church decide to do? How did they respond? They went from that place and they scattered and they chose to they chose to spare, uh, share the gospel everywhere they went. They did not choose to run and hide and isolate themselves or even give up their faith, but instead they ran and they said we're going to share the gospel wherever we go. So it says they went to Judea and Samaria into those regions and preached everywhere they went. Now there's two guys, or I'm sorry, there's now it starts to discuss in Acts chapter 8 Philip a couple of different stories that out of that. So Philip is one of the guys who goes, so this is the deacon, not the disciple, one of the 12 disciples. This is the the deacon from uh, Acts chapter 6. Philip goes into Samaria, and he goes to a city, it doesn't name the city, and he preaches the gospel, and, the, and, and many come to know Jesus, the power of God is released, people are healed, demons are cast out, it's just a, people are, are confessing Jesus left and right, it's an awesome move of God there in that city, and one of the guys that, that confesses Christ is a man by the name of Simon the Sorcerer, it's a great story, read it this week, I'm not going to go into it right now. Um, and um, so Simon the sorcerer gives his life to Jesus, and then they go on, and Philip talks about how he, then it, the, the story goes that he goes, he, he feels like the angel of the Lord gives him a call to go south to a road between Jerusalem and Gaza, and as he's going on this road, he doesn't know what he's doing, or it, the text doesn't lead us to believe that, that he knows why he's on this road. He just heard this command from the Lord, go. And so he goes on this road, this desert road, and he's out there, and he runs into an Ethiopian eunuch who is the treasurer of Ethiopia. He's a powerful man. He works beside the queen of Ethiopia. And he goes to this man, and he hears him reading the book of Isaiah. You guys might know the story. And he comes up, and he shares the gospel with him, says, that's about Jesus. What you're reading is about Jesus. He shares the gospel with him. The Ethiopian eunuch gives his life to Jesus and his... And his uh, um, and is baptized right there on the spot. So, pretty awesome deal. The Spirit of God moving, moving in us, in the church, to propel the church into that next level, into Samaria, into these places that required border crossing. Samaria, an Ethiopian eunuch, just following what the Holy Spirit would do. So why is this chapter something that we felt like God was highlighting for us to to walk the church through. So this chapter discusses something that's very important for us because we see again that God has called us to be a border-crossing people. He has called us to be a border-crossing people. You see, from the very beginning of time, in Genesis 1, Adam and Eve, God was speaking to Adam and Eve, and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. earth. Fill the earth. Not the garden, not the region, the earth. From the very beginning, God spoke to Adam and Eve. This is not just a verse about having babies. You know, that's what 
Laura and I were talking about this yesterday. It's not just a verse about having... No, it's not a verse just about having babies. That is a verse about God speaking to the church and saying, it was Adam and Eve, and saying, my vision that I'm giving to you is not just this. It's not this big. It's global. God said, fill the earth and multiply. Fill the earth. Govern the earth. Rule in the earth. Genesis chapter 12. God keeps going on with this story of missions and being bridge people, being border-crossing people. Uh, Abram uh, receives a promise from the Lord, and God says to him, Look at the stars of the sky. That's how many descendants I'm going to give you. And I'm going to bless you. Right? I'm going to bless you. That's a great blessing. And we as Americans, we like to stay there. I'm going to bless you. God's going to bless us. Great. Walk away. You know, hurry before he says something else. He's going to bless us. God's going to bless us. So that, what's the rest of it? So that we will be a blessing to the nations. God gives this promise to Abram. He's the father of our faith. He's the father of the Jewish faith, father of the Jewish nation. And out of that place, from the very birthplace of who we are as a church and a people, church with a big C, God's saying, we're going to be blessed so that we will be a blessing to the nations of the earth. From the very beginning, it's been global. It's been border crossing. You know, and there is a destiny on the church, church with a big C, the global church, to be a border-crossing people. There is a destiny on our church, Christ Fellowship, to be a church that sends fiery arrows around the world. We've had that prophecy spoken over us many times, and that dream is alive in our hearts still today. And we have missionaries around the world, and we are praying and asking God for more laborers, more that we can send. And we have that destiny in our church And you know, this city is even, there's a destiny on this city to be a distribution type city, a a place where resources are sent out from here, a sending place. You know, what Fort Worth came about into prominence was when at a time in history when the Chisholm Trail was running up. So all these cattle are running up and sudden, you know, they're coming up here and then from this place they would exchange and send them out, stock show, all these things. It was a distribution and sending spot of resources. And that's who our city is. And in the same way, in a God vision, we want to see that as, as God is sending people from this city to the nations of the earth, to the nation, nations of the earth, resourcing all around the world. So the main thing this morning is that God is calling us to cross borders even in the face of trials, with the love of Jesus to reach all people in our city, our nation, and the nations. God is calling us to cross borders, even in the face of trials, with the love of Jesus. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here, and that you're working, and you're doing more than even what we, even what we see and what we know. And I just ask you, Lord, that right now you'd have your way in my heart and in our heart. Lord, here we are, your church, and we just ask you to, to do, have your will in us, do your will in us. I pray, Lord, that this story that you've put into your word would shape us, Lord. That your story, your narrative, God, would shape us and mold us into the type of people that you've created us to be from the very beginning of time. 
We thank you for everything you're doing. Have your way in us, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, great. So let's, what we're going to do, there's a lot of different things that we could talk about out of Acts chapter 8. But we're going to, I'm going to bring out two things that I felt like the Holy Spirit was kind of highlighting, okay? So the first thing is, if you're an outline kind of person, then grab your outlines. The Spirit of God is moving us across borders. The Spirit of God is moving us across borders. So we are to be a bridge people, a border-crossing people. So as I mentioned earlier, my family and I lived seven years in Croatia where uh, we helped to start a church with... um, I see Cameron and the Massey family. I know Roger is here. Some there he is. There we go. So the Massey family, uh, and we helped start a church there in Zagreb together. And um, so we spent seven years there. And that nation, Croatia, is a part of the former Yugoslavia. You want to throw that picture up there real quick? So that Yugoslavia is now seven nations after a lot of war and a lot of turmoil. Um, but uh, one of those nations is Bosnia. And this is a picture of a city called Mostar. It's about a city of 100,000 people. And this is a, it was a multi-ethnic city. So, and that, what that meant for them was, in that region was, it had both, it had three nationalities, primary nationalities, Bosnians, Serbians, and Croatians, all living together at peace in Yugoslavia, all living together in this, in this city. And you can even see there in the skyline, there's a, a, a mosque, there, directly in the middle, over on the side, there's a, a, a Catholic uh, steeple there, just right there above the, uh, on the far right corner. And, uh, uh, you know, so these different nationalities were living together at peace in Yugoslavia at the time in this city. And, um, and what happened was, and then this bridge is a bridge built in the 16th century by the Ottoman Empire. So it's this amazing feat of uh, architecture, and it's beautiful, and you know, there's mountains all around. It's just an amazing place. I never got the opportunity to go there, but pictures look great. So, um, you know, we, uh, so, you know, but in the war in the 1990s, this war which tore apart Yugoslavia into these seven nations, uh, this war, uh, they targeted that bridge, after many years, or after a few years of fighting, what happened was these different nationalities that were all living together like cousins, like Jews and Samaritans in, in a lot of ways, were, were ripped apart and segregated and even scattered because they just, they were, there were just horrible atrocities being done. Suddenly something was stirred in the people of hatred, and anger, when they once lived at peace with one another, then something got stirred in them, and this hatred began to break out. And one of the armies took out that bridge. And that wasn't a strategic point of battle. That was a symbol of, we're going to tear down bridges. That was a symbol of tearing down the walls between people. And you know, that's what we do in the natural. That's what we as humans do in the natural, apart from Jesus, is we will tear down bridges and walls that, that are, that will tear down bridges that are meant to 
to, uh, that Jesus is reconciling us, but we will tear down bridges in between us. We will segregate into populations for different reasons, whether it's a socioeconomic reason or an ethnic reason or, reason or a different nationality, or maybe they just parent their kids differently, or, or they live in the other neighborhood. Or you know, We come up with reasons, don't we? We come up with reasons to try to separate ourselves and to build dividing walls and break down bridges. But that's not the God who we serve. That's not God's heart. His heart is for us to not only be reconciled to Him, but to be agents of reconciliation. Let's look at Colossians 1, verses 20 to 22. Colossians 1, 20 to 22. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through the death, through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. So you see, he has called us to be a people who are not only reconciled to him, through the, death, through the death of Christ in his physical body. But he's also called us to be bridge people, just as he was. Just as he was a bridge person, so are we to go and be that type of person who has been reconciled and is now an agent of reconcilia- reconciliation. And you know, that's who Philip was. Philip was that kind of guy in Acts chapter 8. He walked across bridges. He made bridges there, to the Samaritan people, to different people, to the Ethiopian eunuch. You know, and Jesus is our best example of this, time and time again. Let's read John 1, verse 14. John 1, verse 14. We got it? The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So you see, Jesus came as the Word came as flesh. And the message says, if you read in that translation, and he, he, he moved into the neighborhood. He became one of us. The New, New Living Translation says, He became a human and dwelt among us. He became flesh and blood. He looked like us. He talked like us. He... he, he, he he had a pain like us. He was one of us. And he became a bridge person. Let's read one more passage. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, and then 17 and 18. Again, just looking at Jesus as our example. Ephesians 2, 14, and then 17 and 18. For he himself is our peace who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. And we'll jump down to verse 17. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit." So he came and he, div- he tore down the dividing walls and he built bridges 
where there was divide, where there was division and hostility. And that's what he's calling us to do as the church as well. So what does this look like? What, what does this look like practically to be a bridge person, to be one who crosses borders and builds bridges? Uh, you know, there's a story I would just want to share of uh, when I was working at a, uh, one of those kind of random jobs that you get right out of college. Maybe not everybody had one, but I had one of those kind of jobs where you're like, how did I end up here? You know, and it was a construction office. Here I had a religious education degree from Dallas Baptist University, and I was working in a construction office, and uh, and it was a real kind of administrative type job. It was accounts receivable, and and if you know me, you know that that was a not a good job fit for me. Uh, they needed a better interview process to figure out what my strengths were. Uh, but uh, so I found myself there, and. And I wanted to be a missionary in this place. I wanted to be one who would cross boundaries into these people's lives, but I didn't always have the opportunity to because I was working in my little office and, you know, tapping away on the computer. And that was the way I would spend eight hours a day because I had to, to get my job done. But I, would, I found out that there was a little rhythm that would happen every morning. There'd be kind of a little congregation of folks kind of coming in and out around coffee, Right? So, coffee is such a blessing in our life. Could we just, just say that just real quick? So, so, this little group would gather around coffee. And we would, so I went down there and, would, and discovered that this was happening. And I had a friend that I began to talk to, and I would try to just find ways to, to interact with him on a lot of different levels, but specifically I was trying to build bridges to Jesus with him. His name was Dominic. And, but, you know, I did this over, you know, months or I don't know how long I was there, maybe years. And, um, and I remember one morning I was talking to him and I just wasn't filled with much hope or faith that anything would happen. I was just kind of, but we were talking and, and we, we ended up talking about Jesus. And I just said something even kind of flippantly, just kind of said, well, you know, man, the big difference to me was when it went from my head to my heart. When Jesus went from my head to my heart. And he was like, oh, yeah, hmm. And he kind of walked away, and that was the end of that. Well, about a month later, he came to me, same deal, around the coffee, cu- around the coffee pot. And he said, bro, do you remember when, when you said that, about how it goes from the head to the heart, about how when Jesus comes to us, it, it needs to go from head to heart, and we need to really experience him in our heart. And I was like, yeah, I kind of remember that. He said, he said, man, I have been thinking about that for the last month. I've been, I just, tell me more about that. I don't totally understand what that means, but I, I really need that. So I had this wide open door to talk to him about who Jesus is. Wide open door. So we're talking about practical ways to be a bridge person. It's looking for those types of opportunities. It's looking for ways that just in the, in the meandering of life and just the drinking of the coffee, that we would find these ways to, to build bridges across to people. You know, so maybe it's reaching out to someone in friendship. Maybe it's, maybe it's making, this is a hard one for us to hear, maybe it's making a little margin in our lives so that we can add a new person into our life. That's a hard one. I need to allow margin in my life so I can add my neighbor into my, into my life. You know, maybe it's, um, maybe it's creating a bridge to someone where, where that bridge has been blown out in the past. That bridge was blown out. Something happened in that relationship or that friendship. 
There's a lot of different ways and there's a lot of different expressions. And I bet we could go around the room right now and hear stories of different ones and of, of how you guys have done this as well. But I want to, just to get the message across here loud and clear, let's look at this video real quick. This is from Antioch down in Waco from a couple of years ago. And you might recognize a couple of folks in there as well. When we hear about living missionally, most of us think about this. Yet we spend the majority of our time doing this. The truth is, each day we rise ready to face an adventure. For some, that adventure is in the home. For some, it's in the office, at a business, on the field, or on campus. Every day, we brush up against people who matter to God. People who need a touch from heaven, an encouraging word, the gospel of Jesus Christ. What if moms, doctors, athletes, teachers, Businessmen and women use their normal, everyday lives to make a difference. My world can change the world. 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 Awesome. Great. Does that help to kind of see that? Do you guys recognize anybody in there? It's a couple of people who've found some some success lately. Uh, Chip Gaines, if you're not aware of him. So... uh, you know, guys, what's the border that he's calling you to cross? What's the bridge that he's calling you to build? That's the question for us this morning. It is something that the Spirit of God is doing in us as the church, and we want to partner in together with him. It's a great opportunity to partner in together with him. So let's move on to uh, the second thing here. So the first one was the Spirit of God is moving us across borders. The second is the Spirit of God is moving in our trials the Spirit of God is moving in our trials. So I was tempted to just talk to you. You know, here I am, I'm the missions pastor. So I was tempted to just talk to you about border crossing and all those types of things and convince us all about that. So, but the Holy Spirit had something very different in mind, uh, wanted me to discuss about this. And I just kept seeing uh, the, in Acts chapter 8, the reality of that persecution and the reality of the choice that the church had in that moment. They had this choice of what are we going to do. And, you know, throughout, you know, missiologically, if you look at things, now persecution now, persecution then, it, it does the same thing. It will, it will squash some. It will, people will scatter and not choose to continue to follow Jesus. And then there will always be those who go out and it makes the church stronger. And you see modern-day examples of that. 
And we see a biblical example of that here in the book of Acts chapter 8 where it says that they chose to go out from that place and, sh- and share the gospel everywhere they went in Judea and Samaria. That was a hard choice. Sometimes we read over that passage and we just kind of go, oh, persecution, they chose to go, blah, 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 blah. You know, great decision, good job, church. But the reality was it was affecting people's lives. There was families that were torn apart by this. There were was, there was things that were big implications going on in this passage that are under the surface. And so it was a, the church had a choice. Were they going to choose bitterness and anger at the trial that they were facing? Or were they going to run to God with their hurt and allow that to then become a bridge for others? Were they going to, were they going to isolate themselves and pull away and even lose their faith Or were they going to press into God and say, God, what are you teaching me in the midst of this? What do you want to do in the middle of this? And, you know, we have that same choice today. And, uh, you know, we have trials. They're different than what was going on in the church right then. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have uh, religious persecution in America right now. But those, we do have trials and we do have choices and things that we need to decide in the midst of these trials. And I bet if we went around the room right now, we'd have a variety of trials, anything from financial, parenting, marital, uh, medical, uh, trials at work, perhaps, trials that have smaller implications, but they're still really hard to go through, or trials with big implications that are maybe life-altering, maybe even life-and-death-type implications going on right here in this room. We all have things that we're going through. And, you know, the reason that I felt like I needed to speak on this was because uh, in my own life, I had some probably more on, the, more on the lighter side trials going on where I had, I got in that, did I mention the wreck? Two services trips you out sometimes. Did I mention the wreck? Yeah. Thank you. So I had this little wreck and, and, uh, and I, uh, you know, and I was mad. I was ticked off. And Laura had to deal with me for the first 15 minutes or so as we were pulling away and everything's fine and we're going, thank you, God, that we're all right. You know, but I'm realizing I, I could have maybe prevented this. I could have done something different. Why did I get on that road? You know, all these questions start going through you and then through your mind. And then my truck that I probably love too much got a little boo-boo on it, you know, and I was just mad. I was mad. And Laura had to deal with me through the next, I don't know how long it was, you tell me, 15, 30 minutes, felt like an hour. Um, and uh, until, as I'm driving along, I felt like the Lord just kind of stopped me and said, what are you preaching on on Sunday? And I, kind of, and I remembered this stuff about persecution and the church What did they do in the midst of that trial? They chose to run to him. And so I stopped, I mean, in my own mind, just went, okay, Holy Spirit, what do you want to teach me through this? And that's not easy, because you're still mad. And it's okay to be mad, too. But we do want to find what is the Holy Spirit teaching us in the midst of that trial. You guys know the passages. John chapter 15, Jesus talks about how he's the vine and we're the branches, and he prunes branches that, so that they will produce more fruit, right? So pruning's not always fun. I was just in Portugal 
uh, in February, and they have pruned those vineyards. I mean, they are a stick, sticking up out of the ground, pruned all the way. But guess what? It's going to produce amazing fruit here this summer and in September when they do the harvest. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Do we have that? We can throw up real fast. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So there's always places in us that are the opposite of that, that are immature and incomplete, right? We all have it. Am I the only one? I'm the only immature one, apparently. Okay, so we all have these places. And, you know, I was talking to Laura uh, yesterday, and, uh, and she was encouraging me on a couple of things. She said just a couple of one-liners. She's, she's if, in case you don't know her, she's a lot wiser and a lot more beautiful than me. So that's, you know, so we're, we need to listen to her. If we, so here we go, one-liner. If we are so busy with being offended... Can we hear this? If we are so busy with being offended by our trial or by a person that has hurt us, oftentimes we cannot get to a place to see what the Holy Spirit is doing in us. Second thing she said, as we run to the Lord about our trials, we can see what he's doing and we can hear him. However, the status quo, the everyday normal life, will rarely propel us toward change. So those places of immaturity, those places of incompleteness, those places that need wholeness, they need some type of push. And God utilizes these things like trials and trouble to catalyze change. So the question that I want to equip us with this morning is in the face of a trial, just ask this simple question. And I'm learning. I told you the story of me learning. Spirit of God, what are you teaching me right now? What are you teaching me through this trial? How does this relate to being a bridge person? How can we tie these two things together? They go directly together because if we do not run to him in our trials, the result will be bitterness, isolation, and anger, and we cannot build bridges with that type of material. We cannot build bridges. People don't want to be around someone who's angry, isolated, and bitter. That is not bridge-building material. But our trials make us real and human, right? They make us approachable. If I had not struggled with the idea of of things uh, jumping from my head to my heart, of Jesus coming from my head into my heart, then I would not have been able to help Dominic. If that had not been one of my trials and one of my troubles, then I would not have been approachable to him. I would not have been able to understand what he's going through. So let's just apply that to what are you going through? What are we going through? Those trials then become our bridges. Those trials become our bridges. So if we run to him in our trials, the result will be life, freedom, peace, and joy. And this... That's bridge-building material. Reaching out just as Jesus did across a border of hostility.